We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the sixth day of January, the year of our Lord, 2023. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, Lord Marty Foster. Lord Foster, how are you on this new year? Welcome to the new year. Well, thank you very much. And the same to you. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I, I really can't complain at the moment. Actually, that's a lie. I'm, I can complain and I'm quite good at it. But um, how are you, Bruce? I'm healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Just, uh, uh, I don't know if the listener knows what peanut brittle is, but uh, I just got my supply for this year or, the, you know, the winter season and uh, and enjoying that. But I've just seen the size of the bag. And although it is quite substantial, um, you, you have obviously got an extreme amount of self-control because <laughs> I'd go through that lot in, in one movie. Yeah, well... Uh, I have done that before and I feel miserable afterwards. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I tend to spread it out. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm impressed because I mean, there's a lot of people at the moment who've, who are suffering from overindulgence during the festive season. And although I do like a drink, I could actually tell you exactly how many drinks I had over Christmas and new year. Um, and believe you me, it wasn't very much. I nearly bought a couple of bottles out to drink while we're doing the podcast, but I thought if I get any more relaxed um, with what I dare say uh, on air, um, we'll definitely get banned. So I thought it was best not to indulge in alcohol during a podcast. And how very responsible of you, sir. It's, it's unusual, trust me. It is very unusual, yes. And we're, <laughs> it could be an interesting podcast, to say the least. So uh, speaking of, uh, of craziness, uh, Bruce, I got some bad news. We're on the eighth vote now. Mind you, we've only ever had seven. So we're in uncharted waters at this particular moment. We've gone through eight rounds of voting, and Kevin McCarthy still has not made Speaker of the House. The last time this happened, I believe it took them a month to get through nine votes. So, or, or seven or whatever it is. Seven. Um, We've only ever had seven. So seven is the, okay. So yeah, it took a month to get through that. It's taken us, what, three days, four days to get through this many? So I'm honestly... Uh, string it out as long as you have to, because um, the, it basically the the Freedom Caucus is the ones that are fighting right now, and the Freedom Caucus is basically saying enough is enough. We're tired of bills being proposed, uh, the bills then going to committee, and then once it gets out of committee, they immediately vote on it. They said we're tired of that. We want seventy two hours to go over the bill, and then we want to debate the bill before it's voted on, uh, like it's supposed to be. And uh, they're also asking to have some people that are pro-Constitution on these committees to, uh, you know, help vet the bill before it gets in and then have an actual date set by the Speaker of the House for when they're going to debate it, unlike what they were doing with Pelosi. Um, 
And that's why they're not voting for McCarthy and, and uh, stringing us along. Well, this, this is the new model of democracy that we've all got to get used to, it would seem, that where you keep on holding elections and carry on voting until the person that the world's globalist elite wants to be in place is in place. You know, they, they, they tried to do it with, with Brexit. Um, we had our vote. The vote was 52% for Brexit and 48% against. Uh, and all of our major parties, even the Conservatives at some point, were considering holding another referendum or, or you know, not enacting Article 50 to make it happen. So it's um, it's the new model. The new model is keep voting until the person that the evil bastards want in gets in. And that's more or less what's, it's kind of what's going on here. Um, they're going to continue voting either way, uh, but they keep pushing McCarthy and they keep wanting him in. And the the other thing that the, the listener should be questioning is, why is it only 20 people are voting against McCarthy? Why is it, why isn't my state rep? Uh, why isn't the one over my district? Why is, why are they continuing to vote for McCarthy, who is establishment, who is um, tied with the World Economic Forum. Um, why is it they're voting for him? Well, maybe, this maybe is, you should be this, asking your rep. This is my um, uninformed British, what we like to call a swag. I think it's swag. Yeah. Scientific wild-ass guess. I would Go ahead, say Mr. Ferguson. It, ta- <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes time to gather dirt to blackmail you can only groom them if you put them through their university education. So the other thing is bribery. So those 20 people that are left clearly haven't yet been bought. So it's only a matter of time until they get blackmailed or bought. And what was his name? Um, McCarthy, McCarthy, McCarthy winds yeah. up as your speaker. That's uh, if you're if, if you were a, a cynical type, that's the same conclusion I would come to is that. These 20 are just looking to get more for themselves. They're, they're going to do some horse trading in the off yeah. hours. That's what's going to happen. There's yeah. going to be some phone calls and some dinners and some private meetings and some smoky back rooms. And then that's, well, that's typically what we end up with is is that. But, you know, Bruce, you, you said, who are the 20 that are voting against? I have another question. Why has McCarthy already moved his furniture into the office? Well, not just not just who are the 20 that are voting against, but who are the, the remaining 200 that are voting for? Yeah. Um, and the people should be asking their rep, why are you voting for McCarthy? But yeah, uh, I thought that was interesting. It's it's also disrespectful to this whole process that McCarthy is already moved into Pelosi's office, the Speaker of the House office, and has set up shop there. Um, you haven't won yet, sir. Uh, you, you get your ass out of there. You take all your stuff, pack it up. And you don't move in until the vote is finalized and done. Just it's almost out. like just they, get, I'm not it, talking about like they, the office. Just get out of Congress. Yeah. Get out. Well, yeah, yeah, I, that's what I would prefer too. They keep saying um, uh, the family members I was talking to uh, today. They um, they pay attention to the Communist News Network and you know those, those kind of they they watch the the you know television news and uh, they were saying that um, they basically say. All the all the talking heads are for McCarthy because he's been in there for so long. He's kind of earned the position to be a Speaker of the House. Uh, n- no, you 
you earn the Speaker of the House by being a constitutionalist, by being for the Constitution, by, I don't know, being pro-America. You don't even have to be in Congress to fill that seat. So uh, th- this is this is something that is agreed on uh, agreed upon by our reps. It, it's not an elected position by us. We have a similar position within the Houses of Parliament. The Speaker of the Houses of Parliament always comes from the opposition. They have to despite being from the opposition, maintained a sense of neutrality so that, you know, that the general order um, within the House is maintained and that proper, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing as I'm saying this, but proper debates and discussion takes place. They're a facilitator. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the impression that the metric by which someone's suitability to be Speaker in Congress would be is that they stand for and with the Constitution. But with so many elements of the Democrats trying to tear the Constitution apart because it's the the one really good piece of paper written by Englishmen, I hasten to add, that has held your politics together for so long. And now they want to tear it, tear it to pieces, change it so that they can maintain this this Python-like grip that they have on your politics, which, in my opinion, they got through fraud anyway. So, yeah, other people in the United States of America need to be asking why their representatives are voting for this guy. Um, And I'm assuming, does it have to be uh, a unanimous vote to to get the speaker in? Or how, how many votes against him can he get away with? Um, I think all that are needed to not be voting against him, I think is only like five. I think, I think it's only like five people. I have to switch sides. So I think it's a 200 and it's like 220 or 200, something like that have to vote for him. He needs just over half. Yeah. And they were, so when this first started, he needed like five or six to not uh, vote against him, to vote for him. And that, I so, think, so, uh, so yeah, the deep they, they state, the Rothschilds, the WEF, whoever's running this shit show, they only need to bribe or blackmail about five more people. That's basically that's basically it. Well, it's it's more now because um, they have more people. Originally, it was twelve people, and they needed um, you know like five or six of those twelve to to stop voting against McCarthy. Um, but now, because it's twenty, they're going to need even more people. Uh, okay. you know, you're going to need more, eight more people. So you're going to need what, 12 altogether or something like that to, to, to bail on them. So, or 10, I don't know, quick math. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I don't, I don't know what, what's going to come. I know for sure, at least three of them, they're not going to change their position, but I don't know about the rest. I don't know about like Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think she's in with this as well. Um, Matt Gates. Lauren Boebert, I think, is also in this. She's going to be, she'll be resolute. Um, I don't think they'll be able to buy her out. So there's a there's a handful that I'm I'm sure will not be bought out because they're the they're the Tea Party type. Um, they're actually in this for principled reasons. Um, but the other ones, uh, I I don't know about a Matt Gates. I, I I don't know. I don't know if he's afraid of losing his seat enough to to vote for the people or if he's uh, just in this for himself. It, it would be quite an interesting exercise uh, to see if McCarthy does get elected in to look forensically at the finances 
of the ones who flip uh, and see exactly, you know, what's happening. Obviously, there, there's ways and means of, of hiding large-scale bribes, but I'm sure there are people around that could get to the bottom of it once it happens. It would just be a really good exercise. I agree. You know, all that talk about uh, about the Speaker and then, of course, you, the Speaker of the House in the U.S. and then, of course, the Speaker of the House of Commons in the U.K. I couldn't help, but n- you know what you've done, Marty? You've got Burkow on repeat in my mind now screaming, order, order. I can't get it out of my head now. Thank you. Uh, what you need to do, it's, an, it's a neuro-linguistic programming technique called modeling. And all you have to do is imagine you, imagine your foot on Burkow's throat um, for a period <laughs> of time so that uh, he couldn't shout anything, let alone order, order. So, yeah, I've done that. I've been through that process yeah, and, and it, it cleansed me. Yeah, perhaps I'll give that a try. Uh, so moving right along, anything else? He's lost eight rounds now. Did I say that? I, I think I said that. He's lost eight rounds now. They're going to go for the ninth. Uh, Gates has nominated Trump, and he's voted for Trump twice. Trump is Speaker of the House. Um, no, but it would be interesting just for the headlines, I think. I'm I'm torn on that one because Trump is on the warpath right now. He wants vengeance. And I think it could be fun watching him get vengeance from the, the House level. It, it would be interesting. The, the problem is, is this would require Trump to actually do something. And from what I, uh, I've heard from people that were in the White House during his tenure, he basically had uh, his cabinet fighting amongst themselves. And whoever won that he thought won the debate, they, he went with them, basically, is more or less what, I, what, what it seemed like went on. And some of the other deals that he did, like the Abraham Accord and some of the other stuff, that was actually in the dealings long before he was president. And uh, they just convinced him to jump on board, convinced America to jump on board with the, the Accord and uh, to kind of seal the deal and be kind of the 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 not really neutral, but the mediary in it. And um, he, he agreed. He just happened to be the president at the time. Um, that sounds pretty much the way that things are done within the Majlis in the Arabic world. You get the sheikh sat there listening to the arguments going back and forth ac- across the Majlis, and it seems whoever can shout the loudest and make the most fuss is the one that they come down on the side of. But can you imagine? I, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine Donald Trump in in that role. Um, is it only the president? that um, has immunity from prosecution whilst in office so that they need to be indicted before they can be prosecuted. Because I think it would be probably the first time in your fairly short history, let's face it, 1776 wasn't that long ago, when your speaker becomes indicted and removed from office. Because they would, you know they would. If if he managed to get in, the Democrats would shit a brick and they would move heaven and earth to make sure that he wasn't there for very long. Assuming assuming he actually got into that position, that means a lot of the Republicans would have been on board. Uh, they wouldn't be able, the Democrats wouldn't be able to do anything to get rid of him. They would have to have control of the House. Uh, and if, uh-huh. if they had control of the House, uh, then um, Trump wouldn't be Speaker. It would be a Pelosi or someone like Pelosi. I'm not uh, talking politically. I'm talking the smear campaigns, the filth that they use to get rid of someone. They're, I don't. It, I don't think they actually could because if you're even when you're if you're a candidate and you're running. 
um, you have basically immunity from that. You, you, there, there has to be a, a full process. They have to step down and resign, basically. Uh, they're run for candidacy, and then there's legal proceedings after that. So okay. e even, even running as the House uh, Speaker, I don't think they could actually do anything about, uh, you know, legally. I, I, I don't know that they could come at him for tax evasion Is or any of that stuff. Is it televised? Congressional, yeah. Are all, yeah. yeah. It's going to make great television if he does get in. It, it would make um, it would make great. So I say the headlines. Yeah, yeah the headlines would yeah. be would be barn burner headlines. Yeah, sure. I, I can see lots of sit down and shut up. <laughs> That's that, you know. The, yeah, that would that would be nice. Actually, it, it would be fun. All right, moving right along from this uh, this clown show, let's get to the real concern of the day. Marty, how you feeling? I'm good actually. I've just decided to have that beer we were talking about earlier on. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, how is it? What do you what do you got there? What is that? It's um, was a craft beer, uh -huh. uh, Adnam Southwold Ghost Ship. Ghost it's ship. It's a citrus pale ale. Okay, and it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a pale ale with very fruity citrus notes, sort of lemony, orangey. Um, Actually, sounds good. I don't drink, it, but that it's sounds very good. nice. It's only four point five percent alcohol, so it's a standard strength beer. Um, some of the other real ales are up to sort of 5.5, 6.5, anything more than that. And and you really have to be very careful um, about how much you have. Yeah, the minimum here is like 11 and a half. So, uh, you know, it's, I was a bit confused when I first got here because I had one and I was falling out of the chair and people were laughing at me. Yeah. Of course, I don't drink the anymore. Germans, so. yeah. The Germans make some very good beer. They do. Um, yeah. And the word lager, I believe, means to store. Um, or it's a, it's a, it's a, it means store. So lager longer, beer, yeah. stored yeah. beer. Um, yeah, you can store longer. Yeah, so it's good. It's good stuff. But I'm, I'm more of a pale ale bitter um, man rather than lager. Well, your English you won't hold it against you. Yeah, cheers. So I, the reason I ask how you're feeling is uh, I wanted to know: Are you concerned about the uh, the new waves of COVID that we're all going to be facing here very soon? All I'm concerned about is if those scum decide to start to lock us down, make us wear masks, and push snake oil any further. That's that's my main concern. Well, you're not um, far off. You're, you're not far off. I mean, if they've, if they've got to the point where they are releasing um, an engineered virus that is actually more deadly, uh, and it, well, actually deadly at all, um, then I might be concerned. But if they've got to that point, everything is lost. COVID did what they wanted from it. It shut down society for a while. Um, it ruined small business, small and medium-sized businesses. It demonstrated just how far you could push a populace with your draconian restrictions and, and so on, and could see how compliant we might be as populations. So, they probably don't really need to release a more lethal strain upon us. They'll just keep pumping out stuff that's slightly different that will have an effect and, and continue the process they've already started. And to be fair, to, to come up with something that's more, quote, deadly, I'm doing the air quotes, deadly, they don't need to do that necessarily. And the reason I say is because people's immune systems, the ones that have been booking their vaccine appointments, their immune systems have been devastated. So if they come in contact with something even as mild as a mutated common cold, 
they're going to have one hell of a ride. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be something else. It could just be a, a, a you know, a spinoff of uh, of the current whatever's floating around out there. Yeah, as long as it's spreading around nicely um, for their purposes. But recently, even on mainstream media, we've had some doctors standing up and saying exactly what we said on the last podcast I was on, uh, but, you know, be- before Christmas that all of those measures, mask wearing, social distancing, and the snake oil have served to weaken people's immune systems. And there's several people that I know, that I work with, that have had absolute stinking colds that they just can't shift. And it's it's down to that. And, you know, I, I read a meme earlier on, and I have said this to a few people, but I've been very careful how I've said it. The meme said... Uh, it was okay for them to ask me if I'd been vaccinated before they invited me to dinner. But after their heart attack, I'm not allowed to ask them if they've been vaccinated. And everybody who is suffering with these these stronger colds and flu symptoms that just won't shift are people who have been double vaccinated, probably boosted, and observed all of the ridiculous measures like face nappies, and not hugging anyone for two years. I think I'll be okay because uh, I may have explained before my immune system came from having a normal childhood in, in which my grandparents would let the the Labrador do the first part of the washing up. So, you know, I'm probably more canine now than most people. So, yeah, I, I'm quite confident that my immune system is going to fight off whatever they've got planned for us next. Yeah. um, To your point about not being able to ask anyone if they've been vaccinated after they've had a heart attack. That was the case with this uh, recent uh, football. Was it uh, Damar Hamlin? Is that what it was? Yes. We're going to discuss that here in just a few minutes. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I I just wanted to point that out that uh, he had two heart attacks and uh, they were saying uh, it was, uh, I forget the name, but it starts with a C and the second word is a C. Uh, but it's basically, it only happens in basically minors, 18 years and younger, uh, to where you get hit in the chest and, uh, you know, you get the wind knocked out of you. That doesn't happen once you reach adulthood anymore. You don't get the wind knocked out of you like you used to. And basically what happened was, is what they're claiming is he got hit in the chest. He's 25, by the way, he got hit in the chest and it was at the exact right moment to stop his heart. That's, that's what happened. And then he also had another heart attack later on the way to the hospital that, uh, according to uh, some cardiologists, have said that rules out this um, phenomenon, whatever it is. It's very rare. In fact, you're more likely to be hit by lightning three times than to have this happen to you as an adult. So, uh, yeah, they they basically said, basically, uh, statistically, it's almost impossible that this dude had that happened to him twice um so but you're not allowed to ask if he was vaccinated no you can't do that um and i I will get into that in just a moment uh because we're going to discuss the uh, the damar hamlin case but before i do that marty i would just like to say that you've already got the headlines out there now calling for the return of masks the health chiefs across the uk are saying that they're urging people to wear face coverings and say anyone feeling ill should stay at home 
because the NHS is under tremendous pressure. So if you have a uh, what was the what was the the threshold? If you have a temperature of 38 degrees Celsius or more, you should be ordered to stay at home or you are ordered to stay at home or, or something of that nature. Yes. Well, the NHS is under extreme pressure, as it always is this time of year, which has been exacerbated by the people who left the NHS in droves. You know, there's a, a severe staff shortage. We've also had nurses striking for paying conditions. So, yeah, the, the NHS is under stress. And I actually agree with the idea that if you're full of cold and are running a temperature, stay indoors. Don't go out. But we said that right from the start. You yeah. know, with COVID, they decided to quarantine the healthy to save the immunosuppressed. And we've never done that with anything in the past. It, it was a, a conscious decision by the World Health Organization pushed out to governments around the world via their various advisory group, like here in the UK, SAGE, which did contain some virologists and doctors, but mostly it contained social scientists, people who were going to determine how people would react rather than how to keep people safe and healthy from airborne viruses. The news might be out there, but I honestly believe that fewer and fewer people are going to pay any attention this time. And that may be the double whammy they want. That that may be, maybe this next strain is more deadly. And because people are going to ignore it, because they cried wolf last time, this time the wolf is really going to rock up and bite our asses. Maybe. Well, uh, a couple things on that. Um, first, if they wanted to be consistent, then any any kind of car accident, any kind of accident in general that you have, um, you should shut down everything uh, for any any kind of uh, accident that happens because it might happen to someone else. Uh, if you really care about grandma or other people, uh, then you would shut down. Uh, if somebody was, you know, stabbed, well, then you, you 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 can't go outside anymore. You have to lock down until you can ensure that nobody else is going to get stabbed or be in a car accident or any of these things if you want to stay consistent. Now, the other thing is, is the next strain I don't think it's necessarily going to be any worse, but here's, it's going to be perceived as worse because as we just said, if you're jabbed and you've had boosters, you're screwed. You're, you're, you're screwed. Basically, the, the research is showing that if you've had uh, the boosters, your immune system is weakened and you will have a much harder time with all diseases. Uh, there's, there's a whole scientific, uh, you get into what uh, antibodies are being produced now in higher quantities versus what should be in your system that fights uh, viruses and, and, you know, disease in general. Basically, the, the ones that are the tolerant antibodies uh, that are supposed to attack things like pollen and, uh, you know, peanut particles or those kind of things, those are in much higher quantities than the uh, two other type of antibodies that are more inflammatory. But those are the aggressive ones that go after things like uh, flu, influenza, whatever. So you're more likely to have a higher uh, viral load if you're ever exposed to anything and you will get sick, basically, is is what I'm, I'm trying to get at. It's more likely you'll get sick. So Think though the next strain may not be any more deadly, you're going to have a lot of people getting sick from it and potentially having uh, poor outcomes. 
But the, those of us that aren't jabbed, that still have a good immune system, it'll be like the cold to us. Well, according to the World Health Organization, the unvaccinated are dying at unprecedented rates. That was actually a statement made by the, uh, I can't think of her name right off the top of my head, the, uh, the Indian woman, uh, whoever she is, she, she made that statement two days ago. And I said, lady, I, I don't know what you're smoking. They're living in an alternate reality. It, it, yeah, it makes no sense. No. Their alternative reality is being forced on anyone who watches mainstream media. That is the narrative. That is the, the alternative reality that they want us to accept. But, you know, a thought occurred to me, and again, I'm not a doctor. I held a level three first aid qualification, but that's it. But one of the things that happened after the, the full run out of the vaccines and, and all the boosters was this reemergence of a pox. They called it monkeypox, but smallpox was one of the first real successes of, um, of, a, of a vaccination program. But it seems that people's immune systems almost had, had that immunity to the pox virus or those similar to smallpox, chickenpox, all those kind of things wiped out. And there was this reemergence of monkeypox. I don't personally know anyone who had it. But there seem to be enough people being spoken about on the news, enough cases. And could that have been, this is the thought I had, could that have been a result of the gene therapy of reducing? So you're both nodding. That doesn't help the viewer. Sorry, viewer. I wish we had viewers. I wish I was on television. Doesn't help the listener. But that, that was my thought, that um, this reemergence of, of monkeypox could have been as a result of, of reduced immunity to other viruses as a result of vaccination for COVID-19. Now, you, you said, Marty, you're not a doctor and you're not on television. Well, we just so happen to be able to meet both of those credentials. We have Dr. Hillary Jones here to tell us about the next variant. World Health Organization believe it is more transmissible. It's already gone up from 4% to 41% of cases in the States. It's also happening in one in 45 cases here. So yes, it is more transmissible. However, the symptoms are similar, cold-like symptoms for most people. Um, and there's no evidence yet that it's causing more hospitalizations or serious illness. So a different variant of Omicron, um, it might have a better ability to evade antibodies created either by natural infection in the past or through vaccination. So watch this space, but it does look like we'll have another peak of COVID, which is not going to help the NHS problem. It right should. Now. So give it a week and mm. they'll backtrack on everything they just said. Now, so all evening, I mean, we've been, been recording for quite a while now. I have not said the word f or the word c but you've put that man in front of me and he is a fucking c So that's four beeps. I, I, I want to push back on something that he didn't say there, which he should have said. Um, the, well, he did kind of say it. The people that have natural immunity, your immune system has targeted 27 different proteins associated with this virus. So when it starts to mutate, your body already has a strong foundation to go after those things. Yes, the code is going to be a little bit different, but your, your antibodies will be more aggressive towards a, a mutation uh, of COVID. Whereas if you took the jab, your immune system was taught to attack one protein, and that's the spike protein, which doesn't exist in current, uh, current variations now, current variants. Uh, and it's also has some other side effects and, and you know, uh, I kind of got into with the IgG1, 3, and 4 uh, antibodies. But 
anyway, it's the IgG4 antibodies, by the way, for the listener's sake. That's the ones that are being produced in much higher quantities. In previous, before uh, vaccination, your body produced about 0.04% of your antibody makeup is IgG4. After having been vaccinated, I think it was uh, with uh, the the first regiment and then the booster, that was causing an increase of 19.4%. So another, not an increase in by that much, but an increase to that. So it it was increasing it to 19.4% of the antibodies that make up uh, your antibody count were the IgG4, which are the ones that are tolerant. Uh, they're, they're the ones that just tolerate particles being in your system, which means your immune system's less aggressive and is not attacking things as, as it should. So to his point, people that have natural immunity are going to be fine compared to people that have been jabbed. Like I said, he was a bleep bleep. He was. All right, so let's get into the uh, the Hamlin thing, uh, the DeMar Hamlin thing. Uh, Marty, you, you've you heard of this, or ha- have you not heard about it at all until we started discussing no, it? Until no, you, until you spoke about it in prep earlier, I had not heard about okay. this guy. All right. American footballer, DeMar Hamlin, 24, uh, 25 years old, something, either one of those. It's one of those, one of the two. 24, 25 years old. Gets hit on the field, goes down, or actually stands up, and then goes down. Uh, you described he 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 was the one that was tackling. Yes, and it, it so he hit, not he was hit, but oh, excuse me, semantics. yeah. Well, the the way that they're the way that they're talking about it, they're making it sound like he took a hit in the chest, and yeah, okay, so yeah, I'm guilty of of that. But Marty, you're familiar with the game of American football and and basically how it's played. You know the full Kevlar body I've, armor. I've seen I've seen it played. I went to Wembley one year when the Buffalo Bills and the Philadelphia Eagles were playing in Wembley Stadium. It was a great day out. It's like rugby, but not quite as manly because obviously they wear pads and helmets and stuff. Um, We don't do that in rugby. Damara Hamlin is also on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Yes, he is. Uh, That's the uh, the blue numbers you see there, and they're playing against the Cincinnati Bengals, which are from uh, my state of Ohio. So what you're going to see here is the actual tackle that took place. Uh, and DeMar Hamlin is going to be number three. So be watching for number three. So right there's the tackle. Okay. Here's Hamlin right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you'll see him make the tackle. He gets up. Down he goes. Slow motion. Ah, uh, okay. Looking at looking at that tackle, although he was the one that made the tackle, what was the guy running? They'll have a special name. Is Was he a running back? Or something like uh, that. No, the guy the that had the ball. It, this was a, this was a kickoff return, uh, and Demar Hamlin's the safety, so he made the tackle. Yeah. Well, he has speared him. He's the other player has speared Demar in the chest with his shoulder as he took the tackle. Uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't the safest way to take a tackle like that, quite frankly. But the guy's got it's standard though. That, yeah, that's a pretty it, standard. It, it's tackle. standard, and he's also wearing chest plates which are padded underneath his shirt no that's not and that's not a kickoff return you got linemen in there they're not going to be in there on that well anyway it doesn't matter let's not digress on that point the point yeah, sorry is i'm just i'm thinking out loud that, just, yeah, um, go on. yeah but that that tackle shouldn't have resulted in their player number three falling down having had a heart attack should it there's, there's no way I've- unless he had something like uh, myocarditis or some kind of blockage that he didn't know was there that got jarred loose or the myocarditis and 
uh, who was it? There was a, which is the cardiologist doctor, the, the, the well-known one that we see all the time, Johnny, the well-known cardiologist that we see. Uh, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. McCullough. He was on a podcast explaining that there has been a number of cases in young uh, boys that they have myocarditis, don't know about it, do some kind of extraneous activity, you know, causing an adrenaline rush and that kills them. Uh, it, it, the, the myocarditis and everything, it just, it, it causes the heart. They go into cardiac arrest. Um, and basically his argument is it could be something like this here. Now, the thing is, is we're asking questions. We're not saying, yeah, this was, this was because of vaccination. This is us going, it's possible. It could have been that he was, and this was a very rare case of whatever the CC word was. I don't even remember the name of it don't care. It's a possibility that he got struck by lightning three times there and it just so happened that he was, you know, had this uh, rare occurrence. It's also possible that it was a vaccine. But the the thing is, I have a figure written down. The thing is, within the last, let's see here, from 1966 to the year 2004, there have been an average of 2.4 uh, cardiac arrests uh, during in the athletes, uh, I believe, per month. Okay, so this is on average, since 1966 to 2004, from the year 2021 to 2022, it's 46.4. Now, I, I I don't know. From from 50 years to one year, we're seeing that big of an uptick. Hmm, maybe maybe yeah. we should be asking questions. And indeed, questions do get asked, but when they are asked in places like the Houses of Parliament, for instance, there's only six people listening and then subsequently the man raising the question gets suspended as an MP for some trumped up charge. You know, we're seeing it more and more. We're seeing it because we're looking further afield for our news. It's not appearing on mainstream media. And and so people are unaware of it. And unless you follow most people follow one or two sports and they will have seen it happen at least once in their sport. But not everybody follows all sports, so therefore they're not getting this whole picture of, of actually just how many athletes, healthy, fit, young people are dying suddenly. No, and it's uh, like I was I was quoting some numbers yesterday. Uh, we had just in the last 12 months, 769, I think, 769 professional athletes have had to retire from a competition, maybe not necessarily from the sport, but from competition over the last 12 months because of cardiac issues. 769. And we've had over 100 European footballers, be it first league, second league, third league, whatever, somewhere in the professional rankings, have died. FIFA's own numbers are, are in the, like the, the hundreds of percentage point of player death on the field. And then, of course, Bruce, the Atlantic... Right. We know the Atlantic is a wholly owned subsidiary of Dr. Fauci and the National Institutes of Health and Infectious Diseases. They put out this article yesterday. COVID vaccines aren't killing athletes. DeMar Hamlin's collapse on Monday Night Football calls attention to a medical myth that will not die. Well, so I, I just want to point out scientific method. Again, it should be on the table. The vaccines have proven to be causes for myocarditis and pericarditis blood clots. I mean, all of that. The vaccines have been proven to do that. So the question should be asked. Everything should be on the table until it's proven what exactly happened. And until we get that truth, yeah, I think it's completely valid to ask that question. And the fact that not just on social media, but the, the talking heads in general say, oh, 
you can't you can't bring up the vaccine. That's not no, that's not what's going on here. Uh, okay, now I'm going to question it and really start asking. If you tell me I can't bring up the vaccine, I'm going to look at why. Okay, what what what's really going on here? Because you're trying to hide something. Another thing that smelled off to me, anytime these events happened, they would always say your thoughts and prayers mean nothing. Don't do that. The the, the liberals jumped on uh, us Christians all the time. But in this case, all of a sudden they were like, "Oh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we want thoughts and prayers." They, they went straight to thoughts and prayers. It's almost like, based on what they were doing in the past to now, it's almost like they were trying to cover it up with something else. It felt manufactured. It felt odd compared to what's happened in the past. Um, it's almost like they were trying to cover up the fact that people were talking about it being a, a vaccine-related. The reason that they would justify saying you can't bring the vaccine up is because anything that would bring the vaccine into question could slow down the number of people having the vaccine. That's the argument they would put forward. However, I would like to see nothing more than everybody stop having the vaccine and the boosters for a while and just see what happens. Just give it a chance. Ned has said the same thing over and over again, that they stop for a while, check the data. You've done this mass experiment on an untried, untested drug on the entire population of the planet or as many of the planet's population as they could get around. So just stop for a while and see if that has got any real no. efficacy. No, it's, it's not going to matter because you have a medical establishment that is ignoring that there is anything that's wrong here. That they're they're ignoring no. it. Let me let me explain just really quickly. I haven't mentioned this, and I don't really intend uh, on going into much detail. But I know somebody that had two jabs and a booster. So the first initial two and a booster took the booster last year because for some reason we wanted to go on to a holiday and and sit on the side of an alp and drink beer at a ski resort for some reason. So that was more important, I suppose. But they said at the time, okay, I've had I've had this, they're not going to get any more from me. That person collapsed 48 hours ago in their home. They weren't able to move. Even up until this point, they're they're still dizzy. Had an immediate appointment with their doctor. I said to this person before they went in, get your D-dimer levels checked and get your troponin levels checked immediately. I said, do not wait. Get it done immediately. Do you know what the doctor said? There's no reason to check those things. You just have high blood pressure and sent them home. So those the, you, say, those you the... say stop it. You say stop it and give it some time. What do you do with a medical establishment that behaves like this? Well, you insist. That's what you do. You have to use your rights within within your own medical system and insist on those tests. Those two things you mentioned, those are the things that um, are present in the system after a, a after a heart attack. Yes. Yes. Or or any type of a uh, of a damaged uh, cardiac system. So troponin, more specifically, would be a protein that is in your blood that is only in your blood. If you have a damaged cardiac system, so if there's any damage to that cardiac muscle whatsoever, it's going to be there. And the amount, the amount that's in your blood is anything between zero and 0 0.04 nanograms per liter, per milliliter, excuse me, per milliliter in your blood. Anything above 0 0.04 nanograms per milliliter in your blood is considered high risk. Yeah. They're finding it in some of the uh, uh, the 
patients that have myocarditis, they're finding it upwards 60, 80, 90, 120. It's up in that range. So it's very obvious. And that's the only so, foolproof way that we have, thanks to the Swiss study. That's the only foolproof way we have to know whether or not someone has had uh, a damaged cardiac muscle without having any type of a, a visual stroke or heart attack out in the open. Yeah. So to that, um, do you know what the new requirement is uh, for kids that want to play in sports when you go in and get your physical? Um, yeah, they have to have an electric. Now they have to have. Thing, now they have to have their blood test. They oh, have wow. to go through this. This is a new thing that they just, this is the new regulations that were just passed down uh, beginning of this year. Uh, it's it's now a requirement that they go in and get blood work done to make sure they have no cardiac problems that are lurking there. This is uh, uh, Peter McCullough in that interview. He was also talking about that and said, this is the new thing that they're sending to cardiologists and are uh, basically requiring the younger generations to go through before they play sports, before they're cleared for sports. So at the same time that they're they're hiding all of this, like you're saying, at the same time, they're, they're uh, covering themselves in the background and saying, oh, this is something new. This is something, um, you know, uh, this is long COVID or whatever. They're, they're, they're excusing it with something else other than it's not the vaccine. Okay, so they're having trouble hiding the bodies right now, right? They're, they're having issues because the bodies are now starting to literally stack up. So they're having trouble hiding the bodies. So now they're just playing the blame game as they always do in politics. It's finger pointing. What are you going to do when you run out of fingers to point? Because it's going to get, it's going to, as I said yesterday, the, the social media and, and social network influencers, you're going to look really stupid when you start seeing people drop just because they're dropping and there's no other explanation for it. What are you going to do then? What are they going to say then? Um, I, I don't think they'll say the same that we see other people saying, uh, my heart was right. I was doing it for the right reasons, blah, blah, blah. They'll make some kind of uh, emotional excuse to to justify themselves. It's not going to be necessarily it'll be finger pointing again, but they'll be deflecting in some way to make themselves look like they're the good guy and you're the bad guy for um, saying, well, you shouldn't have done this. Anything else on this topic that you'd like to discuss before we move on to our final topic? As I've mentioned before, bored you incessantly with it. Um, I'm big into my martial arts. There's a particular style of, of karate that does a full contact sparring. Um, it's called Kokushinkai. And in that, you are, it's, it's bare knuckle, but you're not allowed to punch to the head. And all the punches are directed towards the, the chest. And I'm just wondering um, if I imagine quite a high proportion of Kokushinkai practitioners have been vaccinated and and whether or not that there have been any deaths in these full contact sparring sessions with, with these continuous punches to the chest. I mean, when you uh, do CPR and when you practice CPR, you never actually compress someone's chest who has not suffered uh, a, a heart attack or some kind, you know, a stop breathing and the heart has stopped. And the knock that the guy from the Buffalo Bills took when he made that tackle shouldn't have stopped his heart. And the thing about heart muscles is, or heart tissue, it pulses. It pulses of its own accord. So even if it had stopped for a second or two when he when he got the hit, it would have started again if it had been healthy. But if it's not healthy, 
which you would expect of a professional sportsman, then that would explain perhaps why he had the second cardiac arrest once he was on the ambulance. So it's just, I don't know if I've really added anything there, but it's just my train of thought. Punches to the chest. There's there's this myth, isn't there, about the dim muck or death touch, and it's usually a touch that stops the heart. It is possible to cause an arrhythmia. Is that, is that an actual myth or does that actually exist? I mean, you've been studying martial arts for 30 years, over 30 it's years. It's a myth. It's an it absolute is, it is a myth. myth. There's certain places you can punch that will do irreparable damage if you get it right. If you punch down through the solar plexus, let's not there's tell a small... People. Let's not tell okay. people exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, there, there's certain things you can do, but I've, I've never in... I'm 56 now, so 50 years of studying various martial arts. Have I heard anyone try to, you know, even broach the subject? It, it's yeah. a myth. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that whole sequence that we saw from the, the the American football game, there's no way that should have caused him to do that unless there was an underlying problem. And that underlying problem needs to be investigated. Last subject of the evening. I hesitate. But I, really, I don't. But I, I, I'm going to say that I hesitate. The 15-Minute City. We discussed this last week uh, on the last podcast of the year with you, Marty. And you're not a fan of the 15-Minute City. And I don't blame you. You know, I'm not a fan of these things either. But you said that you've got a car and you don't care. And that's just the way that it is. And Klaus and his ilk are just going to have to get used to it, right? Yeah, unless they want to come and stop me, or if anyone wants to come and stop me, they're more than welcome to try. Okay, well, if that is the case, and I do have a photo here of dear old Klaus, you know, this sitting here looking out off into the distance, because you're going to be looking exactly like that when you are made to share your car or walk, because that's what they're promoting now. You're going to have to share your car, you see, because it's it's not your car. You'll own nothing and, and you'll be happy. So it's not your car anymore. So you're, you're going to have to share that. Of course, it has to be an electric car. It can't be a, a petrol-powered car or, or a diesel car or, or anything like that. And it also has to have one of those tracker things in it as well. Yeah, it's got to have one of the, and a kill switch. Yeah, and, and a kill switch. It's got to, yeah, got to have one yeah, of those in it too. Yeah, yeah. They say, and they're, they're specifically talking about car ownership in England here. That's why I thought this would be an interesting thing to discuss. Uh, they have a new paper out, and they're citing the fact that the average car or van in England is driven just 4% of the time. That's according to their own uh, think tanks. Uh, they say that people in developed countries, including the United States and the United Kingdom, should not have the right to own their own car. People should sell their car and walk or share their car because, quote, car sharing platforms such as Get Around and Blue SG have already seized that opportunity to offer vehicles where you can pay per hour used. So the end of private ownership, right, according to this is you got to get rid of it. It's essential. You got to get rid of, of private ownership. They also say that this can be applied to everything from cars to private homes and even citywide design principles. A design process that focuses on fulfilling the underlying need instead of designing for product purchasing is fundamental to this transition, according to the paper. They also say that this is the mindset needed to redesign cities to reduce private vehicles and other usages. There's also something in here called a, a circular approach. The circular approach, that means that they're basically they're going to increase your 
insurance and your petrol prices to the point where it's just completely unaffordable to you. You know, I, I remember telling someone that about five years ago. I said, they're going to make you take the self-driving car. They're going to make you take the electric car. And this person is wholeheartedly against both of those things. And they said, I'm not going to take any of those. I said, oh, they'll make it to the point where you can't afford to drive a regular car. I said, they'll just leverage you out. That's what they're going to do. Uh, just like, how are they going to take your house from you? Well, it's very simple. You're going to get a bill here shortly if you're in European countries or any Western nation, because this will be rolling out to you very soon, especially in the United States. You're going to get a bill very shortly telling you that you have to make these upgrades to your home. And it will be in excess of 100,000 US dollars, 100,000 euros, or 100,000 pounds, whichever country you live in that uses any of these respective currencies. So that's how they're going to do that. And if you think I'm joking, just give it time. So the article that was published earlier this month, the World Economic Forum has called upon their young global leaders, right? We all know who those are, to start ratcheting up the gas prices. What have we seen in the last 12 months? Higher gas prices, higher natural gas prices, higher oil prices, higher petrol prices, higher diesel prices. Oh, yeah. You think that was done by accident? Let's look at the just the, the gas prices in Germany. They declared a state of emergency in the country of Germany because of the Nord Stream pipeline. They declared a state of emergency on June 23rd of this year. Two days before Christmas, natural gas reserves in the country of Germany, which they're in crisis because of depleting gas reserves, Natural gas reserves in the country of Germany were 91.26% to be fairly accurate. Where's the emergency? I don't see any emergency. Gas prices are at a premium. As a matter of fact, a couple of days ago, they dropped to pre-Ukraine war levels. So why are we still in a state of emergency? I thought gas was, was having a shortage. Huh. The article goes on to say they basically call for an end to any and all tax credits for oil and gas and any kind of coal production. You know, you're going to have to end all that stuff because you got to jack the prices up on that too. And you're going to have to have higher taxes too on top of that. So any product you have that comes from these things would have to be proactive uh, going forward. It would also have to be retroactive. So you're going to have to tax. That's where your wealth tax comes in, Bruce. So uh, you're going to have to have a retroactive tax going on that as well. So it's the same idea basically as uh, pricing uh, fossil fuels based on their carbon content, right? So we're going to have the carbon credit uh, thing in the future, that type of thing. So yeah, uh, Marty, you, you you don't look you don't look enthused that you're going to have to sell your car and, and walk or or share. Um, I am going to. I don't know if I, quite how I'm going to do it, but if if that situation is forced on me, one of the last things I'm going to do with my car is drive to the New Forest, um, round up as many horses as I can tether, and then I will bring them back and use horsepower uh, before I ever use an electric car. You can stick electric cars up your elitist globalist backsides. But, you know, it's 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 all rather unfair. If they if they really want us to, you know, get away from the car, give us all some more land. Let's have some of that land that the royal family owns or the church owns. And distribute that amongst the people so that we can keep our own horses. I'll even have one of those stupid beards without a moustache. I'll wear a black hat and uh, ride behind in a buggy if I have to. I think that's what the Amish call their their mode of transport, isn't it? It's like a rite of passage. When you become 18, you get a, a buggy. I, I don't know. No, we're not going to let them get away with it. They can put what they like into newspapers and make this proclamation and and this suggestion at the end of the day i think there would be 
the biggest revolt you've ever seen if those kind of laws were put into place along with the so house, the the home the the home well, that, improvement thing th- yeah that for them to be able to do that they've got to first of all ascertain that you haven't already had the upgrades done so doesn't matter don't move the let anybody don't, don't let anybody post. into your house don't let anyone come round and survey your house because when they do then they've got the hard evidence to say you haven't had these stipulated upgrades but and up the time till you now that, you know you know just as well as i do i'm sorry to interject but you you know just as well as i do as soon as you do that there's going to be a new round of things that come in that will replace that so you'll have to have those done and then there'll be something else and something else and something else it's always going to be the next thing to force you to sell yeah but there, it won't be a case of selling will it because you'll be so deep in debt it. by that yeah, yeah you'll yeah. get nothing for it you'll be so deep in debt by then you'll own nothing uh, and be happy that they're providing you with your however many square feet of apartment inside your 15 minute city yes in so, your zone in your building yes i tell you what next week when you're on i'm going to play uh, ecto life for you it's eight minutes long but we'll discuss it next week it's uh, designer humans and what they want to do with it yeah okay Thankfully, I've had a good life, and I'm not going to say what I was about to say, but I've been lucky. I've enjoyed life. I've enjoyed all these things, and I wish to continue to enjoy them. And because I've had a good life... And you will. We're going to get them. I I will. I'm also prepared to fight for the rights of others to enjoy them. We're going to get them. And sometimes when we do these podcasts, I feel like the main character in making a murderer you just keep telling me things that are making me so angry that it's like you're pressing all the buttons to to get me to go off i don't and mean to i mean this is somewhere. just like this is what they're talking about and it's like these are the these are the points that that are not being raised in the mainstream and we have to discuss them because they're not being discussed anywhere else and uh, I, I i get that but when we started this you promised me it would be cathartic. You'll be able to get it <laughs> off your chest, Marty. It'll be okay. You'll feel much better afterwards. Yes, but, and you should. Because as I said, I d- as I said, and believe me, I'm, I'm a very well-read person when it comes to history, right? I, I'm not an expert or anything like that. I'm not, you know, not able to teach it like a university or something. But uh, I can tell you, looking at history, we're going to get them. We will. Yeah, we, 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 we will get them. But that that picture you put up of of dear old Klaus. Oh, what he's looking off at. He's <laughs> yeah. He's I, I don't know. He said it looked like it looked like a naval su- salute, but then I realised he was doing it with his left hand. It's kind of reminiscent yeah, it, of something, isn't it? it? It it just it just sort of struck me as a bit odd that he'd be saluting because I mean the closest he gets to to being military is is the amount of time and effort his his parent put into trying to create nuclear weapons for the Nazis. So um, um, let's not forget that while he was on the board of that company that was run by his father when he did that for the uh, the Nazis, let's not forget that dear old Klaus himself did the exact same thing for the South African government for, for under the apartheid. South Africans, yeah. Uh huh. And whenever you say young global leaders, I just imagine blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Young children in lederhosen with swastikas on their arms. The the Hitler Youth is is all I, I that song from Cabaret. Tomorrow belongs to me or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, actually, I don't. I don't. 
I don't know if I necessarily compare it to that. I, I can't say that I do because it, and the, real, the only reason I say is because let's look at what, okay, I don't want to delve too deep into this because we're at time here, but as nearest I can tell, the World Economic Forum as a whole, I mean, you've got Klaus Schwab at the head of it, obviously, he's just a face. But let's be honest, the guy's got a bust of Lenin in his office. So if anything, he's endorsing Bolshevism. So he's not looking at Marxism as as it was interpreted by Marx that was established by uh, what they wanted to establish in Nazi Germany at the time under guys like Goebbels and, and Hitler and the rest of the, they were all Marxists, but they weren't Bolshevists. So I, you know, just looking at it and the way that, that Schwab behaves and the way that he kisses up to uh, Xi Jinping, to me, it looks like the World Economic Forum is just a front for the Communist Party. It's a Communist Party front because that's how it's being used. Yeah, yeah, you, you may have a very good point there. But at the end of the day, both ethoses, ethos, oh, they're just as bad. They're, they're just as bad. Uh, they're as bad as each other. And yeah. they are fundamentally socialist. Yeah. Uh, and, no and that's. That's the link. Yeah. Um, well, more or less, the, the fight that's going on right now is, are we going to be national socialists or are we going to be global socialists? That, that's that's basically what the argument is uh, right now. Right. So we're, well, the, yeah. we're, we're Trotsky and, and Stalin. We're back to that struggle again. I, I hate being stuck in, the, in this. The, like they, they need the dialectic, right? Marxists, they always need the dialectic. They need the, the fight between one, one against the other. I don't want to be a part of any of that. I, I want to be out as far away from you freaks as possible. I don't want to be anywhere near that. As long as we've got people who don't feel they're getting their fair share, then the Marxist will always have an audience. That's who they'll appeal to. They'll appeal to the people who don't feel like they're getting what they deserve. But our successive generations in the Western world have been bred to believe they're entitled to everything without working and just expect the handouts. They've got their target audience already set up, unfortunately. We need to re-educate a few people. But then again, that There's sounds that a bit word. like... There's that word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is a kind of what Pol Pot did, isn't it? So, yes, right before uh, the Khmer Rouge and the Mountain of Skulls, yes. Yeah. Humans, we're complex creatures. We create our own problems. But one of the way of avoiding those problems is to be as self-sufficient as you possibly can. Because if you are self-sufficient, you don't need the handout from government, which means you don't need to take their bullshit. Marty, it's been a pleasure having you on this week. Any final words for the listener? Yes. One final word, and perhaps we'll cover it next time I'm on, is about Rishi Sunak's pledges and how he stated in the press saying, judge me on my pledges. No, Rishi, you don't judge someone on their pledges. You judge them on their results. So um, the jury is out. Well, in fact, it's not out. The, the verdict has already been decided upon. You're a WEF sellout elitist, overly rich, unelected piece of crap. Here, here. We'll see you next week, sir. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast.protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. Do you know someone that you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you'd send them our direction. It's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Monday.